Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolster, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. I'm joined, as always, in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh, crazy week. You know, we haven't done a show in a while where we didn't do an interview that kind of dominated the show. We've had sure. great guests lately. Damian Lillard, Tim Howard, Rick Welts, Doug Baldwin Jr. Last week we had George Steinbrenner Jr. on. Uh, I'd invite people to go back into our archives, iTunes, Spotify, listen to those interviews. But this week... Uh, we're going to have Jeremy Goldberg, who's the president at League Apps, on for a brief conversation. But there's so many headlines I wanted to dig into yeah. with you. Yeah, there's lots going on. And, I mean, you were just telling me about your whirlwind, uh, Chicago, oh New York, Chicago, New York, back and forth trip. <laughs> I mean, I went, this is my Tuesday. Yeah. Woke up in Chicago, flew to New York, drove to Connecticut, had a meeting, drove back to New York. Flew cross country back to Portland, which, by the way, I posted on uh, Twitter at SB Radio. Saw the most incredible lightning yeah. storm from thirty five thousand feet. Cool. Usually, you see these on the ground, right. and you're like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." I grew up in Arizona, so there were lots of thunderstorms and lightning storms during the summer, but I had never seen one that lasted as long as it did. Literally, the entire state of Nebraska, we flew over, <laughs> and it was like. Constant lightning for yeah. 30 minutes. So I took some video and posted it. It's on, really cool. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. And the video doesn't even do it justice. Right. But to see it from that perspective where you're looking down on the clouds and the clouds are just lighting up and it's night. And, you know, part of you is like, God, I hope one of these bolts doesn't strike our plane, which luckily it didn't. But then, yeah. Griggs, I was telling you before we walked in the studio, and this has never happened to me. And it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Um, I land in Portland after flying cross-country and having that day, and I drove an hour in the wrong direction (laughs) before I realized, where the heck am I? (laughs) And I need to turn around and head towards my home. Oh, man. So, uh... Yeah, that probably wasn't great. <laughs> but not, uh it's a mix makes a good story. Yeah. It's a crazy schedule for yeah. me. And uh you know, but we have lots to dig into with this week's show. Let let's start with kind of the story that's dominated the sports headlines and certainly the NFL headlines in the last week, Antonio Brown. And you know, I watched the show Ballers on HBO a lot with The Rock. Right. They can't write this kind of script. No. <laughs> I mean, they come up with some Pretty good scripts on that show. Sure. And, you know, Rashard Mendenhall, who used to play in the NFL, is a consultant to that show. So some of their storylines are pretty right on the money. It's not outlandish. But what has happened with Antonio Brown in the last two weeks? I don't even think we would see a scriptwriter write that for ballers on on 
HBO. Let, let's just start with, you know, obviously he was traded from the Steelers to the Raiders. And the Raiders gave up a third and a fifth to get him, yeah. which, you know, in the NFL, those are good players. Those are solid picks. You're not giving up sixth and seventh rounders. So that means something. Now, the good news for the Raiders is they had not paid him out any money, and the money they had paid him for practices they were able to recoup. So at the end of the day, they paid Antonio Brown a grand total of zero <laughs> for basically practicing yeah. sporadically with <laughs> the Raiders this offseason, starring in a few episodes of Hard Knocks, right. also on HBO. But it became very apparent that Antonio Brown, who, let's just face it, is a narcissist. I mean, that word is thrown around a lot these days, but I feel pretty safe yeah. with what we've seen from him in the last few weeks saying that he's a narcissist. He figured out, I don't want to play for the Raiders anymore, right? So then it was a matter of how can I get the heck out of here? How can I get them to release me so I can go to another team, another organization? Maybe he just thought, I want to go somewhere where I can win faster than the Raiders are going to be able to. So according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN, Antonio Brown hired social media experts to help him plot his escape from the Oakland Raiders. And two of the first things he did, which would piss off any organization, A, he puts out on Instagram a letter that Mike Mayock, the GM of the Raiders, had sent to him, and he posts that on Instagram. So You know, I do a lot of work through my company. Everything is on the record with athletes, with organizations. And one of the first rules of thumb is keep your in-house business in-house. Don't air dirty laundry to the media, to the outside world. He didn't do that. He put that letter out on social media. It really made Mike Mayock angry. Reportedly, they had a confrontation. They had words. So all that makes news. Then they don't suspend him and they say, well, we're going to have him ready for game one. Then, and this is the most bizarre thing of all, and a lot of bizarre things happen. Griggs, around midnight or 11 p.m. Pacific time, uh, a few days later, and again, this is before the season started, Antonio Brown puts out this bizarre two-minute video of which a recorded conversation, a conversation he or someone from his team had recorded with Raiders head coach John Gruden was part of this video. So people start going, did he wiretap Gruden's phone? (laughs) It's illegal in some states to record a conversation without someone knowing. Yep. Just bizarre stuff. And one of the other funny side notes of this is people said, hey, Antonio Brown's videographer is award winning here. Like, (laughs) this is good stuff. He put together a good video. So now you've angered Mike Mayock. You've thrown John Gruden under the bus in a private conversation that you also put out on your social media. And then the next morning, he puts out something on social media, Antonio Brown does, saying, release me. Let me be free. So finally, the Raiders. And look, any relationship you're in, there's a breaking point, right? If someone continues to step on your neck and rub your face in the sand and... There's a breaking point for everyone, and the Raiders had gotten to that point, right? But the thing that's funny is Chris Mortensen said these social media experts had told him to do these things. If you really want to get released by the Raiders, do this, this, and this, and you'll get released. So then he gets released, Griggs, and 
one minute after he can sign with a new team as an unrestricted free agent, the Patriots sign him. <laughs> now, Griggs, you would think, wow, that's a heck of a story, right? What a week. Yeah. That's not even half of the story. <laughs> so he goes to the Patriots. He can't play in their first game, ironically, against his old team, the Steelers. The, the Patriots just trounced the Steelers. After the game, we learn that, hey, A.B. may be moving in with Tom Brady. It's the Brady Bunch, starring Antonio Brown. They put out a picture on Instagram of the two of them. <laughs> Looks like it's from Brady's house. Yep. And you're like, wow, this is really funny. I would love to have a reality show on yeah. A.B. and Tom Brady in that house. Right. Give me just a week of that. And then things get really serious. And... He is accused of rape and sexual assault against a former trainer of his. And as we always say on this show, and we learned this years ago with the Duke lacrosse case where everyone convicted them and they were innocent, you're, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. So we don't know what this is yet. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said this is a money grab. AB and his legal reps have vehemently denied they did anything wrong. But here's the thing that's concerning, Griggs. There are pretty terse texts between A.B. and this woman, pretty graphic texts. And when you read those and you see the claim and the legal documents, you start to at least raise an eyebrow. Now, here's the overarching picture on all of this. If you're the NFL and you just had a great week one of TV ratings, attendance, lots of excitement about your games, and everyone's talking about this, if you're the Patriots and you just trounce the Steelers in game one, very positive result, and everyone's excited about your team, but everyone's talking about this, this is not good for the league, Griggs. This is not good for the Patriots, and certainly it's not good for Antonio Brown. You have to wonder when is enough enough. And look, Griggs, if Antonio Brown was some scrub on the bench, he would have been waved goodbye a long time ago. But he's had six consecutive 100 reception seasons. He's one of the best receivers the NFL's had in the last 10 years, and that's why teams are going to great lengths to bend over backwards to accommodate him and give him a chance. But if I were the NFL, I'd be pretty happy if this guy just went away and we didn't have these negative headlines. And the Patriots, frankly, they're so good, they don't even need him. And they showed that in game one against the Steelers. He would make them ridiculous on offense, but I don't think he's worth the trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to go with this. I mean, yeah, you... you like you said, the first thing off the top, you can't you can't write this stuff. It's just insane, and we didn't even talk about the cryotherapy on his feet oh my and God, the helmet yeah. controversy. Yeah, there's just the, that, so that yeah, it just keeps going. This is just the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is just the last couple of weeks. It's like you're waiting for the next you know the next tweet or the next headline to say, and now Antonio Brown did this. Well, I mean, would you be surprised if something came out in the next few days? You know what? This is too much. I'm retiring from football. Yeah, right. I'm moving to Europe, and I'm getting off exactly. the grid. Exactly. I could totally see that. There's really nothing out of the realm with this guy. Yeah. Or I, I'm going to go try out for the NBA. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you just There's nothing that you can look at with him. To me, the breaking point, and this is where you have to, as an organization, draw the line. 
It's one thing that he put the letter that Mike Mayock sent him out on Instagram. That's bad. It's another thing when you wiretap your coach and you record that conversation. That is a breach of trust in my mind that cannot be overcome. Yep. And if John Gruden were to bring him back into that locker room, you lose the locker room. And a lot of people think Gruden already lost the locker room last year when he traded away Khalil Mack, the best player on that team. Which, if you want to go into a larger conversation, the Raiders, who did win game one against the Broncos, and are 1-0. Yeah. But you start to change your culture when you trade your best player. And then you go out and make a series of moves, including giving up a third and fifth round pick for Antonio Brown, who's not even on your roster anymore. Yeah, it doesn't look good. doesn't look good at all to the rest of the guys on that team. I always tell teams when I'm working with them, you have two audiences. Because they're mostly concerned with, what do I say at my next press conference? What do I say in this interview? There's the media and the fans, the external mm-hmm. audience. But just as important is your internal audience. What are you saying to your players? What are you saying to your other coaches? What are you saying to the members in your organization? And the messages that were being sent inside the Raiders organization with these moves, not good. And I think, you know, you can watch Hard Knocks and John Gruden can say, knock wood, knock wood. And, okay, that's all great for show. (laughs) And I'm sure Gruden's a fun guy to have a beer with. And, you know, they are 1-0 and maybe they surprise us this year. But you can't make these moves without having it in impact your internal audience. So anyways, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Antonio Brown. I'm sure by the time we record our next show, a series of 10 other things <laughs> yeah. will have happened, including maybe he's retired from right. football or he's been thrown in jail. Or he's in jail, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just have no idea. Yeah. But the bottom line is he is a distraction for the NFL. He's a distraction for the Patriots. And, and here's the thing. You know, and you heard Doug Baldwin Jr. talk about this a few weeks ago when he joined us on Sports Business Radio. He's a guy who's out there living life the right way. Undrafted guy, played in the NFL for eight years, played in meaningful games, led the NFL in touchdowns in 2015, but he's making a difference in the community. He's a well-spoken, eloquent guy. He's a guy that if he was governor of Washington one day, it wouldn't surprise me. And when you have guys like Antonio Brown making headlines like this, you know what it does? It makes the Doug Baldwin Juniors and the other guys who play in the NFL who are doing things the right way, it makes them upset. Because people say, hey, that's not what I'm doing over here is is good. That's not getting any headlines. The only headlines right. are from this knucklehead Antonio Brown. And that's the thing that's frustrating to a lot of the guys because, look, it's the minority in the NFL that are knuckleheads. Yep. The rest of the guys, Chris Long, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, uh, Doug Baldwin Jr., Malcolm Jenkins, yeah, J.J. Uh, Watt, uh, Tom Brady. There's a lot of guys doing good stuff out there. They don't get the attention they deserve because we're focused on Antonio Brown. It's bad for the NFL. It's bad for the Patriots. But we'll see what happens. Yes, he deserves due process. But... You know, there is a protect the shield. Or, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and here's the last thing I'll say, and I don't want to turn this into politics, but one of the things I've been thinking of the last few days, teams will sign this guy, and Colin Kaepernick is too big of a distraction because he kneels. Yeah. I I just don't get it. I I would think if you bring Antonio Brown into your locker room, 
that's going to be more of a distraction than Colin Kaepernick. But I guess that's not how the owners think. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's going to be a distraction when you bring Colin Kaepernick in. And there's going to be conversation and questions asked. And they're going to be looking at every move he makes and everything he says, much like they're doing with Eric Reed in Carolina. But I just don't get that this is okay over here. You can do this and it's acceptable to sign you and bring you into an NFL locker room. But if you do this over here, no, deal's off. We're blackballing you and and we're not putting you on an NFL roster. I don't get it. There's no rhyme or reason. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio road shows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Our next headline of the week, the United States has lost its last two games in basketball in the World Championships, the World Cup. Uh, I mean, here's the headline, Griggs. The U.S. has been sending teams to major international competitions, the Olympics, the World Cup, FIBA America since 1936, a span of 45 tournaments in all. This is only the fifth time the Americans won't medal. 58 games in a row they had won in international competition. They've now lost two games in a row. And this is the danger of succeeding Coach K. I mean, Greg Popovich is a Hall of Fame coach. A lot of people consider him one of the best basketball coaches ever. But you come in your first tournament after replacing Coach K, and this is the result. There's only one place to go, and it's down. And USA Basketball has gone down, and here's the bottom line, and and you can respond to this, but this isn't the best team the U.S. could have fielded, right? Mm. How many guys said, nope, not playing, nope. I'm focusing on my team this year. I have an endorsement tour through China, so I can't fit this into my schedule. I don't want to risk injury because I've got a $250 million contract. I'm not playing. So what you're left with is some B and C list players. This is not the best team. And in the meantime, the rest of the world has closed the gap. Serbia is good. Greece is good. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of teams that are good now, and it's not a given that when the U.S. team steps on the court, okay, you know, a dream team won with Bird and Magic and Jordan. You were like, over under. Are they going to win by 50 or less than 50? <laughs> yeah. You knew they were going to win every time, just a matter of by how much. That's not the case anymore. So somehow before the Olympics in 2020 in Tokyo, USA basketball has to convince the best players yeah. to represent the United States, or this is going to be the result. And 
it's going to be catastrophic for USA Basketball. But, you know, and it's not good for Greg Popovich either because, again, you had won 58 in a row. Now you've lost <laughs> two in a row. Not good. Not good. But I think you're right. I think it's you can't blame Popovich 100% because the team's not the, the all-star team. It's not the dream team anymore. No. And not I even think, close. Not even close. And I think also what you hit on, too, is the world is getting better. I mean, look how many stars in the NBA are world players now. I mean, that's where they come from. Right. They're not American players. They're, you know, wherever they're from, Greece or wherever. Right. So the France. World, France, yeah, the world's getting better. The players are getting better. And um, it's kind of it kind of has the same vibe as NBA All-Star Weekend. It used to be Jordan and the dunk contest. Right. It used to be all these guys. Yeah. Now, none of them do it because they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to mess up their endorsements and all that stuff. And this is what's really changed. I mean, if you go back and look at the money from Dream Team 1, these guys made good money for that time. But... They could say, okay, I'm on Team USA. I'm going to wear the flag around my shoulders, and I'm going to go out and get a bunch of endorsement deals. Yeah. Now, when you're a player making $250 million, you don't need endorsement deals. What's the incentive other than representing your country? And if you're LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and people like that, you can say, I've already done it. Like, I've done my time. I have taking time out of my schedule. And if you look at the NBA players like a car and how many miles are you putting on the car, they're not willing to put more miles on the car to represent Team USA because they've already done it. It's not going to net them any additional money. And because they have so many miles on the car, there's a greater chance the car is going to break down. And if the car breaks down, then that commitment you made to the Golden State Warriors or the Portland Trailblazers or you know, the Houston Rockets or whoever, it's done. And there's just not the incentive for these players to play. And, you know, it used to be play for country pride, play for the flag. And and it just doesn't no. exist anymore. And it's a real problem because, like we just said, the U.S. is not that much better than the rest of the world with their B and C list players. Yeah. I mean, it used to be much watch TV. I had the poster in my room with right. the Dream Team. It yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. That's all you heard about. Now it's like, oh, headline way down the corner. Oh, USA lost. You don't even really hear about it much anymore. It's, it's, uh, right. it's not good. Our next headline, athletes at California colleges could hire agents and sign endorsement deals under a bill the state legislator sent to the governor on Wednesday, setting up potential confrontation with the NCAA that could jeopardize the athletic futures of powerhouse programs like USC, UCLA, and Stanford. Governor Gavin Newsom has not said whether he will sign the bill, but the NCAA Board of Governors is already urging him not to, warning that if he does, California colleges and universities would eventually be banned from NCAA competition because of their unfair recruiting advantage. Greg, so many different ways we could go with this story. But, again, Ballers, HBO, The Rock, if you watch that show, he took on the NCAA and their, in his mind, unfair tactics and not paying players. But this is real life. Yeah. And in real life, guess who's jumped into this battle? LeBron James. He's very vocal about this on social media. He's taking on the NCAA. When he lends his voice to this... It makes it a much bigger issue. He's got millions of followers on social media. He's put out a series of posts on social media saying that the athletes deserve to be paid and they deserve to be compensated fairly and for their likenesses and, and things like that. The NCAA Board of Governors sent a letter 
to California Governor Gavin Newsom urging him to shoot down this bill, and they called it unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. And look, we have friends at the NCAA. We have friends in PR at the NCAA. I, I understand what they're doing here. They're trying to defend their their laws and their rules. But at what point do you say, all right, let's use some common sense here. When these bylaws were drawn up, it was the 1970s. We're in 2019. Maybe we need to change some things. Yeah. Maybe there's billions of dollars being bountied about now versus hundreds of thousands of dollars back in the 70s. Maybe we need to change some things. And I guarantee you this, Griggs, when they take on LeBron James, who's now involved in this issue, they're going to lose. And people already want to crucify the NCAA because they seem to stick their foot in their mouth all the time. But when you put LeBron James against them, yikes, this is... This is serious stuff for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And LeBron has friends. So it wouldn't surprise me if not only LeBron jumps on this, but he starts gathering right. more firepower. You know? Yeah. And you've already seen it on a lot of the talk shows where right. the athletes are obviously going to come down on the side of the athletes. Sure. Right? They're going to say, yes, the college athletes should be paid for their likeness. Uh, they should be paid for, you know, what they're doing beyond just a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And we've had this conversation umpteen million times sure. on this show. So yep. we won't get into it. <laughs> But this seems like a tipping point because LeBron James, who, by the way, didn't play college sports, came straight from high school, but had his likeness and image utilized in a lot of different ways, even when he was in high school. But when he went to the pros, obviously he can start taking advantage from day one when he signs with Nike of his image, his likeness, how people use his name. And you can't do that in college. Yep. So we'll see where this goes, but I, I do feel like it's a tipping point. Um, a few more LeBron James headlines while we're on the topic. Nike announced it is named the latest building at its world headquarters after LeBron James. The LeBron James building is the sixth new building at Nike World Headquarters, project that kicked off in early 2015. The LeBron James building will be home to Nike's Beaverton-based Advanced Innovation Team. It will house a state-of-the-art sports research lab an investment in Nike's most powerful competitive advantage and continued proof of Nike's leadership in sports science. Uh, we've been to the Nike campus. I used to do a lot of consulting for Nike, as I've mentioned on the show before. If you go out there now, it, it looks like you've uh, entered deep space. These these black, modern-looking buildings with glass everywhere. I mean, the Coach K building has a replica of... Uh, the Duke basketball court, the Cameron crazies are painted on the walls. It is literally a tribute to the sports gods yeah. out there with these buildings. Serena has a new building. Coach K has a new building. Now LeBron has a new building. But it's impressive out there. And you walk around and you're just like, wow, this is, this is something out of a movie. Yeah. It's just, it tells you and when you see it visually how much money Nike has. I mean, oh it's my just crazy. god! It's well, like, that's why when they announced layoffs, yeah, I'm like, you can build these <laughs> yeah. Starship Enterprise buildings out here, but you had to lay off 150 right. people. What? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but it's just it's a crazy campus, and it's yeah, it does. It feels like you're walking on a movie set or like it's uh, some science thing. It's crazy. And I haven't been to Facebook headquarters or Google, and I've heard they're super Similar, impressive yeah. too, but. 
Nike was one of the first, and I saw Nike headquarters when it was just a few buildings. Yeah. So to go, to go out there now and see, I mean, it's literally like a small city now. They've got barberships and grocery stores and childcare and uh, coffee shops and restaurants and workout places. And the other thing that's dangerous with putting a name on a building, they've had to take two names off the building in the last <laughs> 10 years, Joe Paterno and Lance Armstrong. Right. So, True. you know, not that Lance or that uh, LeBron James or Serena or Coach K are going to get into trouble, but there is a risk when you put a name on the building, things could go south and then you got to take the name off the building, rename it something else or just, you know, it has a generic name. Uh, also, LeBron James news. He filed to trademark Taco Tuesday. If you followed his <laughs> social media... He does the Taco Tuesday videos, and they're fun, and, sure. you know, he's had Anthony Davis over and his kids, and, you know, it's all, it's become a thing. But how many times have we seen Taco Tuesday utilized <laughs> in a million different places, and he thought that he was somehow going to lay claim to Taco Tuesday? And I guess part of this is that his legal strategy was, all right, we know we're not going to get it, but if we use it for business purposes... We're not going to get sued. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how these things work, but I guess that was part of the legal hmm. strategy. They didn't really think they were going to get it, but this is more of a protection for filing. The other one, and this one is even more bizarre than trying to get Taco Tuesday. Ohio State tried to trademark the, <laughs> for the Ohio State. <laughs> Griggs, are we going to run out and try and get and? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or of? I. I? We? <laughs> are you kidding me? The? You're trying to trademark a word that is used a bazillion times a day by everyone on planet Earth? And you think you can lay claim to this? So the only people who come out the winners are the lawyers. Yep. Well, I mean, imagine being the legal counsel to Ohio State or to LeBron James and you get a call you up. Uh, we're going to try and trademark <laughs> the what? You know what? We're not going to win, but we'll take your money. We'll take your money. We'll right? file this. We'll go meet with some people. You know, we'll make tens of thousands of dollars off of this. We'll, we'll go down that road with you. But did anyone in their right mind think that the U.S. trademark uh, group was going to go, yeah, let's give Ohio State the... <laughs> And everyone else who wants to use the every day, they got to go through Ohio State to use that. Oh, my gosh. Or if you want to use Taco Tuesday, you got to go through LeBron from now on. Uh, just call him up. Just ask him if you can use it. I mean, if you invent a word like three-peat, which a lot of people don't know this, but Pat Riley has the trademark on three-peat. Yeah. Because when he was with the Lakers, he trademarked it. Smart. It's kind of an invented word, Right. Right. It's not a word like the. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, when I read those, the first thing I thought of was, this is a money grab for oh, the yeah. lawyers. Oh, yeah. Maybe the lawyers somehow talked them into trademarking Taco Tuesday and the. <laughs> Could be. And if they did, wow. That's, uh, that's some good convincing. Sure. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., 
providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and University Stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, two more headlines. One, Clutch Sports, which represents LeBron, and, you know, wink, wink, LeBron has nothing to do with it, but Rich Paul, his agent, is the one who runs it. And they have Draymond Green, they've got Ben Simmons, they've got Anthony Davis, and obviously LeBron James. They're now looking at getting into representing NFL players. And this is according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Why not? Right? If you have that stable of athletes and you've got LeBron with all of his relationships, why not? So Rich Paul would recruit another agent who's more familiar with the NFL and NFL contracts, bring him under the clutch sports umbrella, and they'd go out and probably dominate the NFL, sure. too. I mean, yeah. at what point does Tom Brady go, huh, I know a lot of guys in the NFL. I'm going to be retiring probably in the next five years. Maybe I should do what LeBron's doing and start an agency that reps NFL players. And you can't tell me it's not a distinct advantage if LeBron James or Tom Brady or your agent. You're going to get other clients because they're going to go, wow, Oh yeah, I get to be in LeBron's agency and look at the contract they got for him and the endorsements they got for him. I'm going to, I'm going to go over here. So we'll see how that unfolds. And then the last headline, NL MVP Christian Yelich is out for the season. Weird. Fouls a ball off his kneecap. I guess fractured his kneecap. Yeah. Doesn't need surgery, but was having a heck of a season. And he and Cody Bellinger were neck and neck in the MVP race. And look, one of the things we always talk about on the show, Griggs, is that Major League Baseball players need more personality. They need more of a face. And Yelich is one of those guys. He was just in ESPN's The Body Issue. He's done a series of commercials. We actually know the people who work with him. And you know he's injected some personality into Major League Baseball. So now the fact that he's on the shelf, the Brewers are trying to compete for a playoff spot. You don't have him on TV in the postseason as a recognizable face. It's a blow for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it hurts baseball, and it's just it was one of those freak accidents too. You know, it's one of those ones you can't plan. It's not right. like he was doing something stupid or anything like that. So it's just playing sports. You just never know if you're going to get hurt. But yeah, he like you said, he's one of the good personalities. Seems like a cool guy. Uh, his face is out there. You know what he looks like and what he's doing and who he plays for. So it's it's definitely a hurt uh, baseball. All right, coming up next, Jeremy Goldberg. He is the president of League Apps. We'll talk to him about how his app and website are affecting the youth sports industry. I'm interested in this. I have a 14-year-old daughter, Griggs. You've got a son. 
They play sports. This is changing the landscape of youth sports. So we'll talk about that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I know many of our sports business radio listeners and my friends with pro sports teams fly by private or charter plane. So let me offer you this scattering report that will save you time and money. When flying into or out of New York City, there can often be long delays. That's why you want to fly into the brand new, pristine Republic Jet Center located in Farmingdale, New York. That's just 30 minutes outside of New York City, making it the airport with the fastest time into Manhattan. Don't get caught up in delays flying into Teterboro or White Plains. Choose Republic Jet Center and you'll experience all the reasons why you chose to fly privately. Republic Jet Center is a full-service, signature-select FBO that delivers an unparalleled level of customer service and safety to the private and charter jet industry. Enjoy Republic Jet Center's luxurious lobby and contemporary lounge in their new 100,000-square-foot facility. The concierge staff will gladly assist you with making any reservations you need while you're in New York City, from ground transportation arrangements, dining reservations, or even helping you with chartering a helicopter flight to Manhattan or the Hamptons. That'd be nice. Their comprehensive white glove FBO service and premier affiliations are compelling reasons why aircraft owners and operators benefit from selecting Republic Jet Center. Whenever I fly private in or out of New York City for the Sports PR Summit or the Sports Business Radio Roadshow, I now have a terrific new option, Republic Jet Center. For more information, visit RepublicJetCenter.com or call them at 631-881-9520. Follow them on Twitter at Republic Jet Center, and that's C-T-R for center, or on Instagram at Republic Jet Center. Republic Jet Center, the official private airport partner of Sports Business Radio and the Sports PR Summit. Blinder is the way high-performance teams connect their talent with the media and fans. It lets communications managers provide unprecedented access to their athletes, entertainers, and executives while respecting everyone's privacy and time. Blinder makes phone calls magic. Request a demo today at blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Joining us now on the Blinder Guest Line is Jeremy Goldberg, the president of League Apps. You can find them online at leagueapps.com. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Goldberg. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. I'm super interested in this topic. Uh, why don't you start off by telling our audience what is League Apps and how did it start? Sure. Um, you can think of League Apps as the operating system for the youth sports industry. So what we really do is make technology for people that and organizations that really make sports happen. So those could be the the the, the coaches, those could be the administrators, um, and and the people that um, put these sports experiences on. And our goal is to make sports seamless for for everyone that's involved. So that involves registration and management, payment and communication. Uh, and and what we're really about is is building this community of of, of organizations that are um, trying to shape and define what youth sports is going to look like for your kids, for my kids. Uh, and um, and make sure that the kids have the same kind of experiences that we did growing up. One of the first things I thought of when I heard about you guys was, how was no one doing this before? Because <laughs> it seems like you're filling a huge void and, like you said, making it more seamless for a lot of people. Yeah, one of the things that happened is there was, you know, uh, the initial way that kind of youth sports was organized was very much the kind of purview of community organizations and volunteers. So you had a lot of pen and paper uh, and then you had a kind of a first wave of kind of first generation uh, attempts at technology. So piecing together a website or maybe a PayPal button 
or maybe some kind of um, a first-generation sports-specific platform. And what we really saw is that as, as youth sports has become an, an industry, right, and the amount of time, the amount of money, the amount of energy people are spending, how do we bring the best of modern technology uh, to that industry and, and ensure that there is more professionalization, there are better experiences, and then ultimately there's also um, great access so that, 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 that every kid gets to be part of it. I know you have some interesting data around the business of youth sports. Uh, it's a big, growing industry, as you just said. What are the numbers, uh, let's say, in the United States of how many kids are playing youth sports? Well, rather than even think about it in terms of kids, I mean, there's obviously millions of kids that are participating. The interesting dynamic that's happening is the amount of money that's being spent on it and what that represents. So we estimate it's well over $70 billion wow. is being spent on the, on the youth sports economy. And that's not just the participation fees. That's everything dealing with recruiting, uh, dealing with um, equipment and apparel, uh, as well as um, you know, uh, medical-related things connected to youth sports and, uh, and private coaching. So it, it's a big industry. And one of the things that's happening is about 34% of kids now are actively participating in youth sports. So there's over 60% of kids um, that actually aren't actively participating right now. So that number has been declining. There's a lot of kids that don't have access to it or aren't finding the right fit. And so there's more intensity, more money being spent before, but at the same time, there's a lot of kids that aren't participating. And so there's a lot of opportunity for improvement, and that's where we see an opportunity for us and the, the people we work with uh, to really make sure that we're delivering better experiences that are accessible. But, but no doubt, uh, this, is, this is a bigger economy when it comes to sports than, than even professional sports. Walk us through, if I was going to go on to LeagueApps.com and utilize your tool, walk us through how it works. Yeah, so our customers are really the, the organizations that are making sports happen. And so in many cases, it's people that were doing this for a hobby before that are really doing this as a profession now, right? So uh, they're running a soccer uh, program, a lacrosse program, uh, a baseball program. And so the person that's leading that program, that hires the coaches, that gets the field, that sets the schedule, they're the ones that are, that are going to make the decision to use our technology. And it, it's really a white label. You can almost think of us as like an Intel, right? Like you don't think about Intel as the, the chip that's powering your computer, but in many respects, we're powering these sports organizations. So as a parent, when you're coming on and you're paying your fees to kind of participate or you're accessing your schedule or you're getting emails or text messages, all of that is happening through our operating system uh, and, um, and, and really hopefully makes that experience easier for you, not to mention all the ways that it can make it, make it even more joyful for you and especially your kids when we introduce more and more technology into it. I'm assuming there's some fees involved. How does that work? Yeah, so what we try to do is um, you know, our, our model is to make sure that when organizations are operating and they're collecting money, that's when we're collecting our fees. So it's really a percentage of that transaction, but it allows for the fact that in some cases, these organizations are very seasonal in terms of when they have uh, collect fees to be able to participate. And so our business model aligns with that, where uh, they're, only, um, they're only spending money with us when um, they're actually making money themselves. And as they grow, uh, then we get to benefit from that growth as well. One of the other things we're really mindful, though, is that there are a lot of organizations that may not be able to afford our software and going to that question of accessibility. So we're very, very committed to figuring out how we can work with underserved communities because technology can be a great equalizer as well. So we've got a great program called Fun Play that allows us to provide technology grants and cash assistance to organizations working in communities that otherwise wouldn't be able to have access to the technology, as well as Major League Baseball as an example, which actually helps us fund work in over 140 communities where they have uh, reviving baseball and inner city programs. Well, that's great. And baseball needs that, and I know they've started an initiative to really get that going again in the, in the inner cities where a lot of kids are playing basketball and football, and we're trying to 
kind of revitalize baseball. I saw on, I think it was either your Twitter or the League Apps Twitter feed that, uh, you guys work with Megan Rapino on her soccer camps and, and help, you know, your app helps organize all of that too. Is there other, uh, noteworthy people that you guys are working with and helping with? Cause all these athletes do camps now too. Yeah, so one of the things that we see, is it's interesting, you know, youth sports has really changed from the time when I was dominating the JCC sports scene in the 1980s in Dallas, Texas. You know, it, it, as I said, there's this kind of professionalization that, that's happening, uh, and there's, there's positive aspects of that, um, as well as, as I mentioned around access, sometimes the negative implications as well. One of the trends that we see is that, that the engagement of professional leagues and teams and athletes in this space. And so we really built what we believe is very sophisticated technology as well as the service and, 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 and ability to partner with those organizations to allow them to kind of have the best kind of influence in what's happening in sports. So people like the NBA and Major League Baseball are, are customers of ours. Over 50 professional teams are customers of ours, as well as individual athletes like you mentioned. Uh, the one I'll probably call out um, that, that I think is, is most notable is Paul Rabel. So Paul Rabel is arguably one of the top lacrosse players in the world. He's launched the PLL which is the Professional Lacrosse League, and, uh, and Paul runs also all kinds of other training and academy, both through the PLL and, uh, and also through the Paul Rabel experience. And so all of that activity is happening on, on league apps, and, um, and really he's, he's one, one of the people that's innovating in the sport like lacrosse, which is obviously growing really fast. Jeremy, before I let you go, it's always interesting to hear the entrepreneur story of the people that we have on this show. I'm sure you have one. How did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, well, I, I could go all the way back to the third grade where I vi- vividly remember I had an Apple IIGS printer with, like, the dot matrix where you had to tear <laughs> off the paper on the side. And so I decided that I was going to print uh, greeting cards because I finally had got a color printer. Nice. So I made greeting cards when I was in third grade, took my dad's old uh, beat-up briefcase, put a, a little suit on, and my mom followed me around as I went to the neighborhood door-to-door trying to sell greeting cards. What I learned is that Hallmark has a pretty good handle on that market, <laughs> uh, especially when you, you've got a dot matrix produced greeting card, even if you're in the third grade, um, and even if I was trying to undercut them on price. But I had this, like, genes, uh, the gene and, and the kind of DNA of an entrepreneur early on didn't let the failure, um, you know, hold me back. And so I had a number of experiences, um, both in college and then coming out of college, where I got the bug around um, being an entrepreneur, and, and my first job actually was in technology strategy uh, coming out of college. And so I, I then built a first startup. I then joined a venture development studio later in life where we built four companies, one of which is, is turned into League Apps. And, you know, one of the things I've learned is that um, there's, there's an opportunity, I think, to use technology um, to disrupt and change uh, and transform how uh, industries are operating. And I saw that with politics, which is my first startup, I saw that with media around streaming music and streaming video uh, and uh, in some of the other businesses I was part of. And I see the same thing about youth sports, that this is a world that's transforming and that if we can have the right kind of impact with technology, uh, we have the ability to influence this in the best possible ways to ensure our mission uh, that everyone has access to amazing experiences. So that's, that's been my journey. And I, and I learned that when you start a company, whatever you thought was going to work probably won't. So you just got to stay alive long enough to figure it out. Um, and in the case of, of League Apps, I think what we realized over time is that if we can align ourselves with and serve the incredibly hardworking men and women that run these sports organizations uh, that do this for a living, if we could support them and hold them up uh, and allow them to deliver better experiences for parents and kids, that's the best way we can make an impact on the world, and it's also how we can build a successful business. Jeremy Goldberg, the president of League Apps. You can find them online at leagueapps.com. Find Jeremy on Twitter at 
Jeremy Goldberg. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Continued success to you, and uh, I think you're on to something here. Appreciate it, and good luck. Uh, I know your, your, your own family involvement here, so uh, I know it takes up a lot of time, a lot of energy, so uh, I hope, hope it's a great experience for everybody. It does, uh, but it's well worth it. To I just think playing in team sports is such a great experience for kids. They learn so many skills beyond on-the-field play, and uh, it's, it's fun to watch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. This year marks the 100th anniversary of one of the most infamous events in American sports history, the Black Sox scandal. If you like the book or the movie Eight Men Out, hear the full story of the eight Chicago White Sox players who were banned from baseball for conspiring with gamblers to lose the 1919 World Series. New details have been uncovered that provide fresh insight into the scandal. So subscribe to the Infamous America podcast from Black Barrel Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any player of your choice. The series is available right now. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.